When Britney was 13, she listened very carefully to a TV theme song, and the words spoke to her. You know at the beginning of Friends where they sing when it's not been your day, your week, your month, or even your year? What if it's not been your life? That's Brittany reading from her teenage diary, and this is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids. I'm Dan Meisner. This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up by reading original source material on stage in front of an audience. This time, recorded live at Broken City in Calgary, Alberta, we have an elementary school detective agency, teenage infidelity, and an urgent desire to shave your legs. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and it takes a lot of courage to share. So think about who you were when you were a kid and stick around. When our next reader, Shauna, was 13, she wrote a list and she titled it, My Man. This is a list of must-haves for her future man, a 52-point list. Please welcome to the Grown Ups Three Things They Wrote as Kids stage, Shauna. My man must consist of the following. Dark hair, dark eyes, mysterious, quote-unquote nice, hairy chest, drinks tea. has full knowledge of all Monty Python skits. Strong sexual urges. Strong hands. Big! Exclamation mark. Extreme intelligence. Not smarter than me, though. Extremely interested in me? Finds me enticing and mysterious. Dresses in old 20s to 40s clothes like Johnny Depp in Benny and June. Very good at math, but feels it lacks imagination in some areas. Likes touching me for long periods of time without sexual contact. (laughs) Brushes my hair and braids it. (laughs) Thinks women look ridiculous in makeup and high heels. Scares me sometimes with his powerful body and eyes. (laughs) Speaks to me in other languages even though I have no idea what he's saying. Doesn't smoke, drink, or do drugs, and doesn't respect those who do. Thanks. If that list describes you, please see Shauna at the break. According to Madonna, life is a mystery. According to Forrest Gump, life is like a box of chocolates. And according to a high school essay written by our next reader, Leah. 
My life is like a bowl of chocolate pudding. It starts off warm, soft, and creamy, and soon, if left alone to fight its molecular battles, it ends up lumpy, distasteful, with the thin scum covering the top. <laughs> I try to break through the scum and swim through the lumps, but I can't do it alone. I need someone to lead the way for me, to break the scum. I need you. I tried to tell you while you were eating your lemon meringue pie, but you were just like the pie, unstable and easily broken. I realized that if your soft peaks were too overcooked, they might become overdone and too hard. It was then I realized while you were drinking your chocolate milkshake that I might be sucked up and forever forgotten. Don't suck me up. Break the scum. Eat the lumps. Re Revive me. Show me that you care. Put plastic over the pudding so that I might stay warm and secure. Okay, I have to tell you a story about Leah's reading. Do you remember at the end where she says, Put plastic over the pudding so that I might stay warm and secure. Well, a bunch of Leah's work friends were at our show in Calgary, and when Leah got back to the office, her desk, chair, keyboard, mouse, phone, computer monitor, and her pens were all covered in plastic wrap. And weeks after the show, Leah told me she was still unwrapping her pens. I posted a photo of Leah's desk and the note her colleagues left her up at our Facebook page. There is a link in the show notes. Believe me, you want to see this. Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids is an open mic, which means we don't always know much about what we're actually going to hear on stage. All we have is a short blurb that the readers give us when they sign up. I'm just going to read verbatim what Nick signed up to read. <laughs> I opened a detective agency at my elementary school. And I would like to read my notes from the one and only case I worked on. Please welcome to the Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids stage, Nick. All right. Who is punching in the tin foil masks? <clears throat> Person is probably in grades ECS 1, 2. Person may be short. <laughs> Theory of the person being small is because only two masks that were not up high were punched, but mine, which is up high, is unharmed. Person probably 89 centimeters tall. <laughs> uh, crayon scrapes. <laughs> Suspect, Wesley, Rhonda, Kyle. 
Puncher strikes again, making bottom mask more flat. The puncher got big knuckles. <laughs> I should note now, I took on a deputy at this point in time named Stuart to help when I was busy doing schoolwork. Going to set trap and see who gets caught. Trap is make replacement tinfoil mask and see who punches it. <sighs> Results to trap. Nothing. <laughs> Puncher punched in the top masks. Cindy is a witness. She says Stuart punched the masks. Mm. <laughs> Sharon, other witness, says Stu did it. Stuart is, and the word probably is scratched out, Stuart is the puncher. For now. Solved? I don't know what Benedict Cumberbatch has planned for the next season of Sherlock, but I would really, really love for the plot line to involve that puncher. I often talk about the courage it takes to get up on our stage and read. And when I say that our readers are courageous, I'm not just talking about their bravery. Courage, the word courage actually comes from an old French word, courage, which means heart, your innermost feelings. And as Brene Brown says, courage isn't about not being afraid. It's about being open and honest and vulnerable in spite of being afraid. Courage means accepting our vulnerability and speaking from the heart. Our next reader, Rebecca, told me that she's had body image issues her entire life. In university, she struggled with an eating disorder, but at our Calgary show, Rebecca read something from her earlier years, a diary entry she wrote in junior high when she was 13. Now, a quick heads up, Rebecca's reading does contain a few cuss words, which we do not bleep. Okay, here's Rebecca. March 1st, 2001. Another shitty and scary thing happened today. I realized how fat I had let myself become. Dad or someone broke our scale in early January, and I haven't weighed myself since then. It doesn't matter, but I can see the extra fat building up. It makes me feel hopeless because I was trying to lose fat. I have to get off my lazy ass and run. Every time I look at myself in the mirror, I am unhappy. Then there's my mustache. I'm so self-conscious of it. I feel if I was thin, it wouldn't be as bad. I wouldn't feel as bad about myself as I do. I say every summer, I am going to lose the fat. Every summer, I go and come back fatter. My parents are no help. They force me to eat. I'm too embarrassed to tell them that I want to lose fat. They'll say, no, you're fine, and make me feel stupid, 
and monitor everything I do for a hint of anorexia. Mom almost found out about my self-esteem yesterday. I thought she was in the living room, and I was sitting on my bed, thinking of how my attempts to lose fat had failed. I was feeling so dejected that I lifted up my shirt to look at how ugly I was. <sighs> I grabbed the fat in my hand, and just then I heard Mom at the door. She had just come in and was looking at me before I quickly pulled my shirt down. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> she saw me grabbing my stomach. I was shocked, and my mind was racing. <sighs> as I tried to think of an explanation. She came in and said, what were you doing? Was your stomach hurting? At that moment, I felt desperate. I almost wanted the truth out so she could help me. I said no. She waited a bit and said, were you measuring yourself? When she said that, I became so embarrassed that she might know the truth. I mumbled, yes. I was feeling horrible, and I didn't want to talk. But inside, I was desperate. I couldn't believe I had said yes. By this time, I was tucked in bed and curled up facing the wall. Mom sounded really concerned and asked if I was all right. I irritably said no. She said, I think something is bothering you. I didn't answer. She said... Promise we'll talk tomorrow. I didn't answer. She left. After she left, I lay there thinking of what I had just done. I got scared. I didn't want to tell her anything. She would think I was stupid. The next day, today, I woke up and remembered the previous night. I stayed in bed for a long time until she came in and said, What was wrong yesterday? I decided to lie. I had a stomach ache. I still felt like shit that day, and both my parents noticed. I don't know how much longer I can keep this up. I need to be positive. Exercise is the key. I'm still young. I'm not an elephant. I don't have as much fat to lose as some people. I can do it. And then I have in big letters. All I have to do is start running. Now. Signed off, desperately, Rebecca. After the show, Rebecca called in to reflect on that diary entry. What really struck me was how desperate I was at the time to be found out. I was so ashamed of my secret, but at the same time, I was desperate for help. I just couldn't deal with it on my own anymore, but I didn't know how to ask for help. I know that if I was feeling those things, chances are a lot of other people are feeling those things. People all around us have eating disorders and suffer in silence. Or maybe, you know, they just don't, they just don't talk about it. It would be my hope that if anyone out there is suffering and doesn't know what to do, you know, just to know that they're not alone 
and help does exist. There's lots of support groups out there. I myself have gone to support groups, I've gone to psychologists. You know, I've been doing a lot of work and it takes a lot of work, but at the same time, it's worth it. If I could go back in time and talk to myself, what would I say? I would tell that young woman, you know, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna shape who you are. You are strong and you're beautiful. You're gonna be okay. You're stronger than this. And I love you. And now for something completely different. (laughs) Catherine and Luke met in high school. They have been married for 10 years, and they still have what they call ridiculous love notes that they wrote to each other 20 years ago as teenagers when they were just falling in love. Ladies and gentlemen, on stage together to read some of those notes, please welcome Catherine and Luke. Now, a quick heads up, this reading does contain some cuss words, and it acknowledges the existence of sex. Also, for context, you need to know that Catherine and Luke wrote these notes back and forth in English class. Okay, here's Catherine. Well, this is so exciting, and think, we have two classes of this. True, but I plan to spend at least one class working on this crap. No, seriously, I don't want to work. So let's take these classes off. Off? I think our brains need a rest. Yeah, let's do something really fun. I'm game for anything, sweetheart. Well, what did you have in mind? I think it's you that have something in mind, you and your grin. But what would you like to do? And my hands are cold. I can warm them up. And how do you propose to do that? Any way you like. (laughs) I giggled. You and your giggles, and these cold hands that need to be warmed. But as the saying goes, you rub my back, I rub yours. You'll have to warm something of mine. Boy, what I wouldn't give to be your shirt. (laughs) You can have my shirt. No, no, I I don't want to have your shirt. I want to be your shirt. (laughs) Okay. Name the time. That's my line. So, what time, place, all that shit? All right, March 11th, my place, and whenever. Come on over, make me a man. (laughs) Why the 11th? Not that I won't. (laughs) But what about your girlfriend, Amber? She's over the night before. Sure, she comes before me. Thanks. No, no, it's not that. It's just the night before the 11th is a special day for me, and she's coming over with some other people, so... So are you going to tell me what's so special? It's my birthday. Well, congratulations. How old are we? 14 yet? Oh, you're fucking hilarious. I'm going to be 17. (laughs) You hot man. I can't wait until the 11th. But how about we move up the date? To when? Next class. Right here? No. No, in my spare when you skip bio. I'm not skipping bio. When I don't have to hand anything in, then I'll skip. Good things are waiting for. And don't pout. I feel so unimportant. Um, some things are better right away, you dig? (laughs) You are not unimportant to me, and waiting is good. I guess you're right. Plus, it gives us time to get to know each other really well before we have passionate sex. (laughs) But that's how we get to know one another. (laughs) 
And I'm gonna give you a new definition of passionate. You're getting me all excited. I still say we do it now and get it out of our systems. If nobody else was here, I'd be going like a rhino in heat. Thanks for the analogy. Still, I feel sorry for Amber. I like her. She's cool. Oh, well, I guess she'll live. Hey, hey we haven't done anything yet. If people read this... <laughs> It could be taken as a joke, meaningless conversation. I'm still cold in a very special spot. Oh, I want to. Then why don't, why don't you? Because we're in class. Yes, but this could be very educational. Oh, thanks for the info. Okay, well later, why don't you and I venture off to under the stage, maybe? Finally, I've gotten you to realize that I'm not worth waiting for. <laughs> I always love how I can get my way with men. In 1961, our next reader, Lena, was 13, and she was living away from home at boarding school. At our Calgary show, Lena brought along some letters she wrote home to her family, and as you will hear, they all touch on a subject Lena was very concerned about at the time, personal grooming. Just remember, this was 54 years ago. It was a different time. So April 1961, this is part of a letter. Please, can I, and I've written in tiny letters, shave my legs. <laughs> Everyone in my dorm or my class have, and I just sort of hide myself under the table because I'm so ashamed. You don't seem to realize, but if you had seen me today in the sun, you would have died. <laughs> so I wrote another letter because nobody answered. <laughs> Dear everyone, this is going to be a special letter asking and begging you to say yes to my plea. It is funny to you. And you're probably roaring with laughter, but I cannot. And I mean, cannot stand it any longer. I hate wearing shorts and short white socks, and I refuse to go swimming. Honestly, it's such a stupid thing to ask, and I don't see why I can't. I'll wear long woolen stockings till I'm 60 if I can't. <laughs> Please, I'm ashamed of myself. My mother answered the letter and again said no, so I went up to my room and I shaved my friggin' legs. <laughs> so. Lena, ladies and gentlemen. When I was a kid in elementary school, everybody in class had to keep a journal. Now, this was not a private personal journal. Instead, it was a journal written to our teacher, kind of a back and forth, a dialogue on paper. Now, our next reader, Elliot, brought along a similar back and forth journal, except it wasn't with his teacher. When Elliot was nine years old, he wrote a journal back and forth with his mom. So he's going to read a couple of selections from that. Please welcome to the Grown Up Street Things They Wrote As Kids stage, Elliot. (laughs) 
so the main theme with this journal is that I really love my mom and I like to spend as much time with her as possible. And I'm also scared of making her angry. So <laughs> it's kind of a fine balance. November 2nd, dear mom, one day or now, I could have a sleepover in your bed. Yes or no. And then she, psych she circled later. She <laughs> her response is yes. One day you can have a sleepover in my bed, but not today. We could plan it for a weekend. Now go to sleep. <laughs> Dear mom, I am very hungry. Please don't get angry or hurt and yell at me. Can I have some food? Which one? Yes or no? And then <laughs> she circled yes, so I got some food. Dear mom, I wish that I could be better behavior. And also, can you lay with me for a while? Don't get angry at me. And mom, I am hungry. Can I, can I have a cheese string? I am happy that you are so forgiving. Dear mom, why is dad being a bum? <laughs> Why is he ruining your day? Well, if he is ruining your day, he's ruining mine. <laughs> Please, can I sleep with you <laughs> the whole night and without him <laughs> bothering me? Love, Elliot. My mom being the, the kind and nurturing woman she is. Hi, Elliot. I don't think dad is being a bum. I think he just sees things differently than me sometimes. He isn't ruining my day. He's just a little annoying. <laughs> Everybody gets annoyed sometimes. I'm sorry to hear he's ruining your day. Don't forget all the nice things dad has done today. One, laundry. Two, played soccer. Three, ice cream. Four, did dishes. I don't think you can sleep with me the whole night. <laughs> Do you want to turn out your light? And I'll lay with you. I love you always, Mom. Aww. Hi, Dan. This is Edie. I'm Elliot's mom, and I'm just leaving a message. Elliot, as a young boy, was always very difficult to get into bed. One of the things he always wanted was for me to lay with him and read him a bedtime story. And no matter how many snacks he had, he was always trying to figure out how to maybe have another one. So some of those readings were really memorable as far as that time went. I could get a, a picture into his mind's eye and it, it was fantastic. Thanks, Dan. Bye-bye. That is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids. Our show was recorded live at Broken City in Calgary, Alberta, and produced by Jenna Meisner. Our music is by Poddington Bear. And we're just putting the finishing touches on a few fall tour dates, including several cities we have never visited before. So if you'd like a heads up about upcoming shows, join the email newsletter. You can do that at grownupsreadthingstheywroteaskids.com or even easier, follow the link in the show notes. I cannot wait to hear the stuff you wrote when you were a kid. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening.